Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of Risk Cheese Radio, a watch podcast dedicated to horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. My name is Schmidt, and I'm joined by my good friend. You guys know him. You love him. Uh, the meme master of the horological world, Mr. Brodinky. What is up, bro? We're here for episode three. How's I know. I can't believe we made it this far. We might have been canceled already. I, I can't see that far into the future, but so far, so good. What can I say? And, uh, you know, it's not like anybody's taken our content already, even though we haven't been up yet, but so far, so good. All right, man. Well, hey, I, I know you and I have been kind of funneling back and forth about what we were going to talk about today, and uh, you came up with a really great idea. So I'll let you take it off and uh, and kind of let everybody know what we're talking about today, and and let's get started. Let's jump right into it. Sure. So given that I basically live this topic, when I was reaching into my bag of tricks, thinking about watch topics or watch-related topics, I thought, what about watches and social media? And I know people have talked about the impacts of just being able to share things and converse over the interwebs, but really the, the ramifications of social media on the watch hobby as a whole, I guess. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay. All right. And so I guess I guess we'll start with the positive stuff first because that's that's kind of easy to do. But clearly I have a, a little bit of a soft spot for this because without social media, I, I can't hate it too much. It helped me get all the places I've been so far. And I also feel like it's, it's helped shape me as a, a hobbyist and a collector a little bit. My pros were, I guess with most areas of interest across the board, whether it's you're into sports, you're into different activities, hobbies, even a career. Social media has really kind of blossomed those areas and it's opened up a lot of opportunities for people, which is really good. And it's also kind of given yourself a, I guess a measuring stick to, I guess, put yourself up against. Not necessarily okay. in this hobby where you're, you're comparing yourself to other people a lot, but I mean, even in my personal career, there's a lot of people with similar pages out there. You could see what they're doing and kind of weigh it against yourself. Like, am I, am I really pushing the envelope or am I kind of resting on my laurels or, or are there things I want to do that other people are doing and I need exposure to that? And, and I think it's good in those areas. And it, I think it's the same thing in hobbies like this, where how many people have the opportunity to go handle a Zin, right? Nobody. I mean, you have to go through watch buys here, here in the US. Where are you really going to have the opportunity to get your hands on one? or to see maybe some less scripted pictures, maybe off the cuff type stuff. Well, now you can just go to hashtags, pop in Zen 104 or something, and there you go, right? You have that exposure, right. you, you can get right. a feel for it in the wild on a wrist, maybe make a better decision of, oh, this is for me, this isn't for me, because if you've ever bought from them, you get a little box in the mail from Watch Buys and it says, if you take this sticker off, we're not taking it back. It's yours at that point. Right. So you're really kind of given a choice at that point. And that's just an example from my own experience. But I think social media has really brought this hobby specifically to the limelight a little bit because not only do you have the watch spotting and exposure to a lot of pieces, you'll never, ever be able to experience on any level. I mean, I can't think of how many times I've looked at paddocks and things like that. I'm never, ever going to be handling those. That's just, it's out of my 
comfort zone. I don't even know where to go to find them because what's the whole right, right. scarce watch thing going on? Who knows? Anymore? But it's cool that I can go and I could just go down the rabbit hole and check everything out. So for me, the, those areas have kind of always been a bright spot for me. And I also feel like it's helped me with my involvement. When I first got into it, I just went on Instagram and I said, hey, I wonder if there's like watch pages out there. And so again, you could go hashtags or you can just search by brands. Right. And you can get a real feel for what's out there. And I, I saw, I was like, all right, these people are doing exactly what I thought you would do. Take pictures of your watches, either out at a location, what you're doing. You know, you have the people who put their watches in their food. Not really my thing, but hey, some people <laughs> are into it. <laughs> and a lot of people mix their hobbies, right? The, you have the coffee people, you have the, the foodies, you have everything from EDC, cars, golfers, whatever it is. They seem to be able to, to blend it together, which I think makes it a little fun. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And with that, I think you, you also broaden your own horizons. I mean, you, you maybe get into things you're, you're not so well-versed in. Like I know from my own experiences, getting to know the, the guys on the Whiskey and Watches podcast, I've tried a ton of different scotches and whiskeys, partly in thanks to knowing them. And it's, it's right. kind of opened my eyes to things that I, I never really knew about or just didn't really know where to start. And I think that's cool. And I think that leads me into my next point is you get to meet cool people and interact with other people that you never would have. Even as I'm talking to you right now, somebody that I, I had met through the channels of social media. Yeah, no, I think totally agree. And, and if I can jump in here for a minute, this is kind of in, in talking about and thinking about this topic um, in preparation for today's episode. This is one of the things that I wanted to bring up. Because I think you got into watches and social media a little bit after I did. Yes. And back then, I mean, I don't really have social media anymore. But back then when I did, I do remember the earliest parts of watch social media on Instagram. This is all the way back in 2010, right when Instagram was becoming a mainstream app. So mainstream that you knew it wasn't like a passing thing. You knew this app was going to stick around. Yeah. Right. And I remember uh, being a young watch collector at that time. And really, as we've talked about in the, in the previous episodes, kind of searching for a community. Where do I go? Who can I connect with? How do I share my love for watches with somebody? And again, as we knew, and as we've talked about back then, there was really only a few outlets. You had some watch editorials that were coming onto the scene. And then you had the dark cavernous forums. And that was <laughs> kind of like the, the two spaces, right? So when Instagram came out, it was kind of the perfect storm because for watch collectors, it was a way to showcase each other's collections, in some ways meet up, but digitally, and not have to care about everything else in the world. And it was kind of, you know, or Instagram back then was really kind of the antithesis to Facebook, even though they're now the same company, but back then they weren't, right? And so Facebook was all about the day-to-day -day problems and, you know, your grandma's you know, birthday party stories and all this kind of <laughs> craziness that just sometimes you just wanted to distance yourself from. And Instagram was all about, you know, filters and fun, right? You would take pictures of your food, put a cool filter on it, you know, some, some interesting taglines. And this is also before hashtags were a thing that didn't come out until a few years later. But back then it was all about filters and fun. It was about taking photos in the moment and enjoying that and sharing it with the world. And this really was kind of the, the, the main 
breeding ground for, for watches and social media. Without Instagram, I don't think we would honestly be as interconnected of a community as we are today, because that was one of the big catalysts. Like once people figured out that, holy crap, I can take photos, post them online, people will like them and share them. And I can meet other people that are doing this exact same thing that created a new aspect of the hobby that just wasn't there before. And what was really interesting is at this time is you started to see kind of the beginnings of what would be watch influencers. And I remember yep. the earliest person for me that I remember, I was like, this is a guy that I want to be like, this is somebody that I think is cool, um, was Risty. And I don't know if too many new people know Risty today. Um, unfortunately, Risty is no longer with us, quite I literally. Do know that. Um, but back then, Risty was one of like the major influencers that were coming up in the watch industry. And I mean, the guy helped to popularize the wrist shot. Like I remember when he was posting his stuff and people started calling it wrist shots and wristies. And it's like, that was his tagline. And what was so interesting about him is he brought this idea that watch collecting could be fun. This guy was one of the first dudes to be rocking a red crown and buckle NATO on his red secondhand yacht master, crushing <laughs> modelos on a lake with some beautiful women in the background and taking photos of it, right? He was wearing expensive watches on crazy bands, all kinds of stuff that was off the wall, off the cuff. And for many people, the industry was super serious before, yeah. right? This guy was breaking the mold, rocking lime green NATOs and all kinds of like early rubber straps that were aftermarket like he was changing it up and he got people excited about wanting to jump into the lifestyle of watch collecting he made it aspirational because it was fun whatever he was doing was cool and i think for a lot of people including myself i saw that and i was like this is this is watch collecting right like this guy's not afraid to go sliding down some tube at SeaWorld or six flags or wherever and he's rocking a daytona right like or a two-tone sub like this guy doesn't care yeah. he's gonna wear this watch because for him it's about living the lifestyle and living in the moment and it was so captured it was captured so well through instagram as a medium and and unfortunately you know Rissy's not here anymore um because of external reasons but Risty was also one of those cool guys because he was actually approachable. And I remember on many occasions, I slid into Risty's DMs back in the day because geographically, him and I lived pretty close to one another in, in, in the state in which we live. And um, although he had a pretty like kind of dark, sarcastic humor aspect about him, the guy was actually just like a genuinely nice dude. And I'll never forget that we always had this running joke that if we were ever in each other's respective cities that we would hit each other up and we would kind of like try to hang out and meet in real life. Right. And this is back, you know, this is 2012, 2013 or so. So that was still kind of a weird concept. Like, Hey man, we met on the internet, but we're going to like hang out in real life and <laughs> talk about watches and stuff. Like that was kind of a weird concept back then, but we had always joked about it. And obviously it, it never came to fruition, unfortunately, but he was always willing to do it. Like the guy was down. He was such a cool guy. And I think for me, that was one of the best aspects of social media with regards to the watch industry. And you said it perfectly. It allows you to connect with people in real time, literally all over the world, people that you would have never met. Otherwise you would have never conversed with otherwise. 
people that are completely in different social economic situations than you are. And it just allows us all to just maintain the conversation. And that has been one of the, the biggest blessings in my personal life. I've met so many people, inclusive of yourself. I mean, we knew of each other kind of in passing, but right. we got connected through mutual friends on the internet, doing these things together. And now here we are three episodes deep into a podcast. So it's, it's very cool to see that. Yeah. And I remember like the first time I got a DM from somebody with blue check mark. I was like, wait a minute. Like these people actually talk to us normies. That's like a thing. So I was pretty riveting, but even then, since I've opened the account, like when would I ever have conversed with Waco? Like never, but I have. Right. And, and it's crazy. Like you think about it, you're like, whoa, this is, it, it gives me the ability to do that. Not that everybody's going to have that experience, but it's out there. You know, but I, you I, can, and you I can, and I think that's the cool part is it's kind of like the world is your oyster. If you make it what it is, you can have those experiences and, and it's pretty cool. And in that same right, it allows you to build relationships with people that you don't often see or never see. Right. I mean, if you can see me right now, I'm, I'm rocking a, a hat from an AD out in Colorado, right time watches. And what happened was I had gotten a, I got a hat, uh, a swag hat from Crown and Caliber. And I was, okay. or it was, maybe it was Barton. Anyway, regardless, I was wearing it golfing and I just happened to snap a picture of it. And they're like, and we had, we had spoken before, but they're like, oh, we got to send you a, a right time out. I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Cool. All this time later, right. I'm on a first name basis with the family that owns it. We know each other's kids' names. I bought watches from them. Yeah. When I had my second son, they sent me a little baby bath thing like we are actual friends now yeah you're tight you're that's tight. what i mean like how yeah. crazy is that you know for people that i never would have ever known yeah and, no it's true it's true and i've been a repeat customer of theirs um another one is now she goes by angel city time when i when i first dealt with her she was under mrs la like los angeles and mm -hmm. she's a uh dealer she deals rolex that's who i got my polar explorer from Again, somebody who I had spoken with before. And then one day on a whim, we were just chit-chatting Rolex things. And I had mentioned I was looking for an Explorer 2. And she said she had one. We worked out a deal. And friends ever since, if I'm looking for something, I can ask her and she'll look, look around for me. Yeah. Now, was this, was this before or after your social media kind of emergence? Uh, I would say about halfway through, to be honest. Okay. I'm, it was probably over a year ago. Okay. If I had so kind of when you were starting, but not really the level that you are, that you are now. Right. People probably knew me in passing. Yeah. But probably didn't have the level of exposure at that time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But it's, it's so crazy how, th how that works out because I mean, I think of all the people that I've met in the industry and, and all the people quite, you know, unashamedly, the people that I've slid into their DMs and just been like, Hey, what is up? I want to have a conversation with you. And what's so amazing to me about this is there's so many people willing to actually respond, which is something that I would have never, ever, ever, ever imagined. 
I'm talking about, you know, CEOs of brands. I'm talking about people who are owners and, and major editors and chiefs of, of major watch publications. And I've just hit them up as a rando, as a normie, just somebody who's an enthusiast in this industry and just wanting to kind of consume more information and gobble up stuff and really connect with people outside of my immediate group, right? And just so many people have been incredibly professional, so nice to me, and have actually given me the time of day to, to converse. And not just like a, oh, thanks for reaching out. I'll never talk to you again. Like we'll have like a multi-month conversation. Like, oh, sporadically over the next few months, we'll have an off and on conversation. They respond, I message, and it's kind of one of those things. And, and of course, you know that they're busy, so you leave them alone eventually. But the fact that people are willing to engage with somebody who really isn't anybody in the industry is so amazing to me. And I think that's one of the best parts of watch collecting is the community, right? It's, it's one of the greatest aspects of it. It's also the worst aspect of it. <laughs> so, bro, seeing, seeing as how you, you kind of started this off and, and you're getting into this, what, what would you say is the negative or not so nice aspect of social media with regards to watch collecting in the community? Well, I think you can go on any day of the week and catch the full gamut of great stuff to what I consider awful stuff, right? And I think over the past week, we've seen that if done right, you can use it for good, right? And I, I'm patting myself on the back here. Um, since the last episode, I put the Oris out to be one the pink cotton candy bronze auras. So far in a few days, we have raised over the MSRP of the watch. Wow. All right. And that is not a cheap watch. No, it is not. It's not, so, especially not the bronze version. Right. So extremely proud of that. But I also think it shows how you said reaching out to people at brands, reaching out to people who do good things. If this is harnessed well, you can do some real good with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. On the other end of things, there's some less than desirable people out there. I mean, I think we've seen plenty of accounts go by the wayside that have yeah. been either, and I'll leave a little gray area there. I'll say either very misunderstood or just straight up labeled a scammer or something. I mean, yeah. the first one always comes to my mind is Horology House. Yeah. <laughs> that was literally, literally in the back of my mind. As soon as you were saying that, I'm like, ah, H and H baby. I think it's like what a scandal at this point. And then more recently you have that whole, I don't even know what came of it with the timepiece gentleman, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The dealers. Yeah. Good, better and different. Like, I don't know. I, there's a, an underbelly to, I guess, both social media and a hobby like this one that hinges so much on large sums of money. Yeah. That it's always scary because even if somebody has a lot of good reviews or feedback, you never really know who you're getting into bed with when you're making Absolutely. a deal. And, and, and this is, this is exactly true. We all learn this with your horology house scandal. I mean, like this guy was a social media he was influencer. A he was a brand, like he had a cool logo. He was producing incredible content of watches. Like this guy was what many people would consider extremely trustworthy. He was a face 
of the watch industry for a hot minute. And he was coming up and everyone knew who he was. Everyone was consuming his content. He was producing incredible video, macro shots, all the stuff of, of watches. And then just the huge, big Daytona scandal. It's just like, when it first dropped, I was like, there's no way. There's, there has yeah, to be to a mistake. I had to really read the details on that one. I was like, there's, there's no way that this is happening with that guy. Is there another urology house that maybe could have been confused? No. And all of a sudden, that dude just fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. You know, just like, I mean, to this day, I don't personally know what happened. I never really followed up with it beyond, you know, the fact that they were like after him. But what happened? Scary you know? to think. I mean, even then, I think that Daytona transaction was only in the range of 20 grand. Imagine yeah. nowadays. Yeah. I mean, we're talking forty, fifty thousand dollars for a steel ceramic That's Daytona. Life savings territory for a lot of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and this is this this was always my metric personally. A lot of people don't remember this back in the day, but John Mayer is heralded as one of like the greatest vintage collectors that's alive right now, right? Yeah. That dude got scammed. Everyone forgets about when John Mayer was in a huge beef with his vintage dealer who was basically supplying vintage Rolexes with modified parts. So they were right? technically they were, like a, a Franken. Yeah, I mean, the, th and the thing that was kind of a gray area is technically they were OEM parts but they weren't OEM to the watch when it was made. Okay. Right. And so I, at least per my understanding is John thought he was buying completely all, all original. original watches, right? Original dials, original bezels, original components, you know, his hands, everything. And so when it came to find out later on that the watches were serviced and they were serviced with, new OEM parts, but they weren't period correct or all these things. That's when the lawsuit happened. If John Mayer, one of the most prolific vintage collectors in the world of watches today can get scammed, anybody can get scammed. That was always my metric. If that dude can get taken. And I think back then it was something like $250,000 in, in vintage Rolex that yeah. was like, up for grabs in terms of like his losses. And that was what 2013, 2014, something like that. Way, way, way long time ago. Before the kind of pre-Rolex. Yeah, absolutely. Before vintage Rolex just exploded to astronomical levels. That dude got scammed for a quarter of a million dollars. And it was a it was a big deal. Because I think that that for at least at that time, that checked a lot of people like, ooh. Do I really want to get into vintage? Is this really the territory that I want to enter into? Especially vintage Rolex, because it is so treacherous. Yeah. And that's always been a, a, I guess, an area of apprehension for me. And that's why I guess it took me a while to get into even thinking about buying a vintage watch was I was always a little bit just on the fence. Yeah. I mean, how do you know? And how can you know, even if you take it to a watchmaker? Do I know that watchmaker is going to 100% be able to verify that this is correct, or at least to what it's been advertised as? Because I feel like the term original gets thrown around a lot. Oh, for sure. Nobody knows. Again, this is probably an <laughs> unpopular watch opinion. I am convinced that very, 
very, very, very few people today in the industry know what all original really means and, and specifically can identify it within the context of a watch sale. Okay. There's very few people to me that I would consider absolute experts that can identify this. And here's the thing. Even if you are an expert, you can still get duped. I mean, there's art experts in the world and yet counterfeit art is a huge business all over the world. Counterfeit has, money. I mean, there's always ways to, to, to fool somebody. I was right? in a casino once and a guy got nabbed for counterfeit bills. The only way they caught him, his fakes were so good, is that the dummy didn't change the serial numbers on the bills. And so when they came down to be counted, oh, they got they spotted all the, all the same serial. <laughs> but the fakes were that good. Wow. So it passed the dealer and made it into the money box before somebody anybody, caught it. Yeah. Wow. But I mean, again, there's, there's always ways to pull one over on somebody. And, you know, the world of vintage is so treacherous. I mean, how many, how many Christie's and antiquorum auctions are touted as being like amazing, all this incredible product. And it comes out. It just you know, there's a blasted. There's a Periscope article Periscope. that drops. And it's just like, this dude is just like, you know, using his Periscope to just absolutely nuclear decimate these watch sales. And good for him. I have a lot of respect for that dude. Sometimes I think he's a little too crazy with regards to like the whole industry's out to get everybody. Everyone's making fakes. And maybe it is. I don't know. But I love that dude. I, I really do appreciate what he brings to the industry because it is a sense of honesty. And that's another cool guy that I've DM'd over the years. I was going to say, I've talked super, to him. Super cool guy. Great dude. Super cool guy. Very knowledgeable. But, you know, like, how do these things happen? How does it something get to Antiquorum and get to Christie's and has all this provenance and it turns out it's fake? It turns out it's modified. It turns out the movement was stamped with the incorrect topography and font for this respective year. And so it can't be this movement. It's been retrofitted into a watch where it's completely faked. How did we get there? It's the reality is it people are that good. It's and then you just, crash. you just have loose, you have loose definitions of things like, absolutely. for example, let's say a watch has an issue early on in its life. It gets serviced, replaced with the exact same part. I feel like you would still consider that an original watch. It's a new part, same part. If you opened it and said, this part should be there, but I think it's a tough, tough place to draw a line. It's Absolutely. not the original one it came with, but it's the right piece. Right. It's OEM, right? It's a it's original manufacturer's equipment. And it's correct. Right? It is correct. But it may be produced later than the watch was produced, right? And that was kind of the part of the scandal with John Mayer. It's like the parts were technically, to at least to my understanding, they were technically correct parts, but they were not correct for the year in which he was purchasing. And he was purchasing under these watches under the auspices that every single component was period correct. That even if it had been serviced, it had been serviced with parts that were manufactured in the era of which that watch was produced, not replacement parts that were manufactured later by the manufacturer like as service, as service parts. Yeah. Right. And so again, to your to your statement, it's like how do you how and where do you draw the line? What's original? What's OEM? What's you know original manufacturer, but it's been produced later, but it's still 
a replacement for the for the older part that's discontinued or no longer in, in production? Like, where do you draw the line? I feel like somebody, probably not us because it's not really our forte, but somebody who does guests would have a field day with this as a podcast topic. <laughs> right? I mean, maybe, right? You like, could get a panel, I feel like, of a few people I have in mind and just see what they have to say about this stuff. I, I would be interested. I mean, I yeah. again, I don't consider myself an authority on that to make a judgment call, but sure, I would like I to know who would be. Yeah. Because I want to know. I genuinely want to know. And and this is the thing that, that I think would be interesting about this panel is I guarantee you every single one of their definitions will be different. I just, I, there's something about that. It's just, it's, it's, it's one of those areas that is never, ever, ever brought up in the industry or talked about, frankly, unless maybe outside of some very specific circles. But it's just one of those things that like, nobody's addressing it. Nobody's talking about it. And maybe it's not important enough to discuss because let's be honest, we touched on this last time. It's like, who's really has this much money to buy all these watches? Like a lot of these watches are super astronomically expensive. I can't get one. You know, I can't go to my local vintage Rolex dealer and buy a big crown Submariner. It would literally bankrupt me, yeah. right? Like I just, I don't have that kind of capital. So maybe it's just because very few people do. And the people that do have that kind of capital, they exist in the same realm with one another that the rest of us, let's call us normies, would just not, would just not understand, right? Or are not privy to because we've never the, been uh, in that, that situation. We're just the guppy swimming by the sharks. You know, I'm just the guy who's like trying to get a no-date sub at my local AD. And I just want a <laughs> modern 2021 sub. Like that's, you know, whatever, right? We're just the normies out here. Yeah. So that aside, I think that's the most glaring one. I also feel like with any hobby with any social scene, with the exposure of the internet, you're always going to run into D-bags, and I feel like that's unavoidable. For sure. It's an, it's an unfortunate part, but I also feel like there there's different calibers of being a D-bag. Like, <laughs> I don't really have a problem with people who will jokingly be a D-bag and then turn around and be like, oh, I, I was mostly just kidding here, but I'll throw you a story. So when I was really, really early on in collecting, I had a glycine airman. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool little watch. And you know, I was posting wrist shots at this point. And so you try to use a lot of hashtags because you're trying to get some uh, follows and likes and trying to get out here. Yeah. Trying to get those algorithm numbers up. Yeah. So, you know, I, I Google the watch by my reference number on the back of the case and I'm just typing hashtags based off what is coming up. Right. Mm -hmm. So the mm -hmm. word for some reason, it wasn't this model, but the word purists kept coming up. I don't okay. know what that means. I'm pretty new. So I'm just putting hashtags underneath, and this guy comes out, and he's like, yo, this isn't a purist. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know what that means, but that's, that's what's on their own site under this reference number. Right. Well, it's not. No explanation of, oh, well, it's just a, a different model with 24 hours of time for one revolution, blah, blah, blah. No just comes out with the, you know, nothing duh, 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 and then ends it of course with the ultimate D bag, but enjoy the watch. <laughs> oh man. Thanks that bro. Passive aggressive slogan. Just like, Thank Hey, you. if you like it, just go ahead and wear it. Just like, okay. I'll just yeah, go. Do, do you bro. Yeah. I'll just go. So, get I'm like, right. yeah, well, thank you for not expanding my knowledge at all. And basically just making me feel bad 
And uh, yeah, I'm probably gonna go delete this picture now. Absolutely. But so rather than even if you were gonna take a, a joking jab and then come back on it and be like, well, let me tell you the difference between between the purist and the the standard GMT model. No, no, no. Right. This is this is how it had to play out. So there are times where I this is where I I get my uh, lack of remorse for when I bag on the quote unquote community. 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 And not to say you know I don't want everybody to think the community is necessarily a bad place, but there are just sure. of course not. There are a lot of people who like to throw the word around that I feel like are more anti-community than actual community, which helps nobody. So d bags aside. Another area I feel like it kind of hurts us, social media that is, is that I feel like it can be a, a means of developing a lot of bad habits. Okay. And what I mean what by way? that is when you're seeing a lot of collections, a lot of new watches being bought, it's really easy to get caught up in FOMO, the fear of missing out for all you non-acronym ah, okay. folks out there. Okay. So it's easy to keep buying, to cave to peer pressure of what you should buy, to maybe stretch your budget a little longer than you wanted to. It's easy to do. And I, I will fully admit that it was, it was happening to me when I first started buying watches. And next thing you know, I had like five and I really didn't even enjoy the first one I had to the limit I probably should have. And you turn around, you're like, man, I, I kind of spent a decent amount of money already. I, I should probably rein this in a little bit. Right, but it's right. easy. It's easy to have that happen to you, because that first of all, that new watch feeling. There is there's nothing that matches that. Oh yes, it's the like, honeymoon period is real. It's like losing your virginity all over again. But, yeah, <laughs> but it's it's just easy to cave to that peer pressure. You're, you're seeing sure. people NWA, you know, the wrist yeah. roll, and they're showing off the packaging, doing the unboxing. It's tough. It tugs on those strings, you know, and, and you, hey, maybe I need another watch. Hey, what have I been looking at? Next thing you know, you're on eBay, Watch Recon. It, it can be really tough. And I think that's an area that we kind of have to check ourselves in. Yeah. And I don't think it's easy to do because it's an enjoyable thing. It's like, well, it's yeah, like, it, it's it's the sense of instant gratification, right? Like you're living vicariously through somebody else and even though you may not know this person, they may not be in your direct social circle or in your direct, you know, community online, digital community, if you will, you're seeing it on your feed and you're like, damn, that looks good. Right. And you're like, ah, and eventually it's need. need yes. This. Yes. Like <laughs> I, it's like, I've been wanting one. It's about that time. It's been a while. And you're like, oh yeah, I need, I need this. Like I'm seeing it. I need it. I have to have it. Therefore, I'm going to go out and get it. And that was like, I mean, no shame in the game. Like, I get it. Like, that's what happened with me and my Speedmaster. It's like, I've been wanting one for years. And then an opportunity came up to get one. It's for a specific reason. And I was just like, oh. Time I seems right. <laughs> I was like, uh, is there any better time like the present? Like, the answer is no. And, and, and to be honest with you, the CFO is like, this is not a good idea. This is not the right time. But I'm like, it's the right time. It has to be the right time. I'm going to do this, right? And it worked out okay. Like, it worked out good. You know, I'm happy with it. It's just like, should I have done it, though? Should I have waited maybe just a little bit longer? I'm like, ah, you know what, jump in. As we said last time, don't be afraid to take the plunge. But yeah, Hey, I bet there's a lot of people who wish they could do what you did. Yeah, for well, certain models of watch, not that long ago. No, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, you know, I don't know. It's 
it's just one of those things is like you see it all the time it's there till it's not it's there till it's not my friend yes but you're right i mean i had never actually heard the the acronym fomo but it makes complete sense and you're right it's 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 missing out on that next limited edition drop that next you know, exclusive piece that Houdinki Alpinist that if you don't buy it now, some other guy's going to buy it and charge you four times the price for yep. it. If you want to buy it later, it's like, oh man, but this is like the problem with this is this is a self-perpetuating cycle. Yeah. Right. Like we create the fear of missing out by then making people jealous that they did miss out and then punishing them for missing out. Right. Like and your Alpinist they're your bound to never a, do that again. <laughs> yeah, your Alpinist story is a perfect example of this, right? Like yeah. you're like, I bought it, I thought I loved it, I felt out of love it, out of love with it, and then I sold it for more than what I paid for it, right? And people were like, yeah, I'll pay you double or triple, like I want this watch. But it's just like now we've created this air that the next Houdinki drop, if you don't buy it then, then you're definitely gonna miss out, right? Like. So it's, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy cycle. It's a crazy world. And I think getting back to kind of like the problems with the watch world today, a lot of it is the monetization of the industry. And this really just kind of hits at the root of a lot of issues because back when I got into watch collecting back in, you know, with my Instagram story, like there was no monetization. There was no, you know, making money from Instagram, at least not in a way that had impacted the watch community yet. Yeah. Right. It wasn't until people like Risty kind of started appearing on the screen and, and on feeds that people were like, Hey, you know, maybe I can cut this dude a deal so he could promote my stuff. And I know, I know that eventually like he started working with crown and buckle on some things back in the day. Cause he was like exclusively wearing their NATO straps. And back then they were really nothing to, to write home about. I mean, they were nice quality NATO straps, but they're not anything like the seatbelt ones they make today. Right. Yeah, Which those are, are really infinitely good. better. But back then they were just kind of funky, cheap, inexpensive NATOs. And they look cool on watches. And so on occasion he'd get hooked up with one, you know, or two wear it on, wear it on your next lake trip or wear it on your next adventure doing whatever. And so like, People realize that they could, brands realize that they could attach themselves to these people and start creating, you know, an aspect of the lifestyle, which I'll be honest with you. I ordered tons of crown and buckle NATOs. I was like, this guy's doing it cool. I want some of those NATO action too. <laughs> so there you go. I'm like a crown and buckle customer now because I saw this, you know, an influencer before they were referred to as influencers was influencing my purchase habit, right? And so once brands got, when that they could now monetize this, sell us this consumable content. And we were all just like, hell yeah, willing to gobble it up. That was in many ways kind of the beginning of the end. We created our own problems, right? It helped to expand the industry and, and reach new levels of innovation, new technologies, new materials, all these crazy things that were great that came out in terms of the product that we got. But in many ways, like, We've now created the monsters of these limited edition drops of constant new product cycles of wanting to have product every single day, every single year, you know, getting caught up in the accessory games like, oh, I need a leather NATO. I need a 
you know, I remember back in the day when Perlon straps were hot. <laughs> it's like, I, I mean, like, I look back and I'm like, what the hell were we thinking? But I have five Perlon straps sitting in my box I that too. I have never worn. But I saw somebody cool online wearing, I'm like, I got to get them, you know? And so that was part of the problem. Like we created our own issues and brands that realized that they could make this profitable for themselves. And again, no shame in the game. And eventually just naturally it's going to evolve. It becomes less fun and simple and now serious because it's now a business, right? And good or bad, it's changed the industry. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about that. And I think another thing that goes kind of hand in hand with the, I guess, monetization, but also the, I guess, the concept of an image as far as who the watch collector should be. I almost feel like a lot of, I don't know if it's necessarily brands or lifestyle brands or luxury brands, they're trying to sell image. Oh, for like, sure. As if this watch is going to elevate you to a certain level right. where people have high expectations now for ownership. And I feel like generally the return is low on that. And I don't know if, I don't know if people genuinely feel that way. I don't know if they maybe just go along with it and they're like, Hey, I bought this watch and my life is great now, but I don't think buying a watch can, can cure uh, everything that ails you. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think it, it can escalate you to some level of uh, existence just by owning it. You know, I feel like it's, right. it's a, it's a two way street there. If you're going to be, you're going to have this great watch and you're going to be a, a great person. You, you kind of have to be on both ends there. You can't, you can't have one and expect the other. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But There's I feel like that's always yeah. that's always been something that I I think a lot of people have a problem with that with in general, and I, I it goes back to celebrity endorsements and the again the the large sums of money that change hands. Yeah, but again, we're willing to consume it. Yeah, I mean that and that's the other aspect of it, right? Like, look how many No Time to Die Seamasters have been sold. I've called every single AD, just curious to see kind of like what they have and like, nope, I'm taking wait lists. Cause like I'm sold out <laughs> currently. Like, like, I don't know when our, when our next shipment from Omega is going to be, it's just like, it's that popular of a timepiece. Right. And rightfully so, but it's a watch for a fictional super spy. Like James Bond's not real. And yet we all love the timepiece and we love it so much. We're willing to buy it. Okay. So we fall into the trap of the marketing. We fall into the trap of the lifestyle and the fall into the trap of the movie and, ev and everything, all the hype that's associated with it. We allow it to happen, right? So uh, you said it right. It's a double-edged sword. It's a catch-22. Like this is something that we create for ourselves. And a lot of times it's unfortunate, but also fortunate at the same time. Cause it's like, it sucks that now I had to go buy a $9,200 titanium Seamaster because it's got me by the nether regions. <laughs> right. But it's great because I get to, I get to own a truly amazing piece. So it's, it's, 
it's hard to it's hard to argue with that. again like i go back to my my moonwatch story like was it the right time to buy it no but i wanted to buy it and so i bought it and it's been an amazing watch for me has it elevated me no i just now own a moonwatch and then i'm just some other random jerk off with with a moonwatch but it's my moonwatch now yeah screw all the other jerk offs right like this is my <laughs> moonwatch it, so it hasn't elevated me in any way, but now I, I have a watch that I really do do and truly love. So I was going to say, if it's heightened your enjoyment, I think it's just fine. And I think that's what's more important than anything. I feel like people say, oh, I got my Explorer. What am I exploring? <laughs> you know, I got my Diver. Where am I going? I got this indestructible watch. I sit at a desk all day, yeah. which is fine. I hope you really like the watch and not so much all that extra baggage that comes along with it, as opposed to being sold the the feeling of being some, I don't know what you want to say, some intrepid explorer or some crazy diver that's going to go risk their life. It's great. The stories are fun. But I hope that you bought the watch because you liked it and not because it comes with a fun party trick. Okay. So the cachet associated with it. I can see that. I can see that. And, and I, I think we touched on this maybe episode one, but it's basically like, you know, buy it because you love it, not because somebody told you to love it, not because a marketing PR firm was like, all right, how are we going to convince this firefighter in the 1970s to wear a two, wear a, a, a gold day date? Oh, well, if you're fighting fires in this location tomorrow, <laughs> you'll wear a gold day date. Oh yeah. Like that's what I do. So let me go get that. If you're flying a Concorde, you're wearing a GMT master. Like, like really, but we bought it. There's a lot of gold day dates that were sold and a lot of GMT masters that were sold because of the hype and because of the marketing. Right. But again, fundamentally buy it because you love it. Buy it because it connects with you, not because you connect with a marketing story or not because Brad from the next office over will recognize your Submariner. Like that's not the reason. Buy it because you love it. And for me, it's like, you know, I buy dive watches. I don't dive all the time, but I do wear them when I go diving and yeah. there's a connection there. And that's something that I love to do, right? But, you know, everything else in my box I bought because I loved it. Not because I'm like, oh, this is going to be, the highest resale value, or this is going to yield me the most amount of compliments when I go to the store, or if I go to the meetup, like this is the cool piece that everyone wants to see. You know, it's not why I buy watches. It's not why I collect what I collect them for me. I started collecting when there was no community. Yeah. It was just a bunch of internet bros trying to not be weird on the internet. <laughs> okay. So that's the difference is, is as we've seen the democratization of the watch industry, You've seen more people coming from the outside that were truly from the outside and get involved in this hobby. And it's changed it. It's changed the demographic of who is a watch collector and who is a watch buyer today and who's an enthusiast and who's a hobbyist and all these different labels that we throw around a lot of times interchangeably. But it's just about loving watches, right? Love what you love. Collect what you want to collect. Again, go nuts. <laughs> Going back to the uh, Rolex ad you were talking about, I don't like to toot my own horn too much, but probably one of my favorite memes of all time that I made, it was right around the uh, the big GameStop squeeze with Robin Hood on Wall Street with the hedge fund managers. And I made one that's, it was a picture of, I think it was the, 
the classic two-tone date just and it was like if you're getting burned by redditors here and it was a picture of wall street you'd wear a rolex <laughs> and i got a big kick out of that one i really did and i think a lot of people did too but just an well, aside <laughs> this, what's what's funny that you mentioned that so i was at a i was at a coffee shop one day and there was a young kid that walked in he was he had to have been like 18 or 19 years old wearing a brand new 3861 speedy and i it was one of those things like you you see it from wow. across the room and you're like this guy's got a cool watch so i kind of do the awkward like shuffle through starbucks <laughs> and like how do i approach this dude without side being eye. weird like without being weird i'm like hey man i know you're wearing a seven thousand dollar speedmaster in sapphire right like how do you do that so eventually i kind of like find a way to connect with him like hey man so i like your moon watch he goes oh man thanks and i was like oh that's cool so is it is this, this is the new one so you just bought it he goes yeah man i just bought it i'm like oh cool so what made you buy it he goes well i made a shit ton of money on doge <laughs> and i was like what he's like yeah this is this is before doge crashed right like yeah. he's like i made a shit ton of money on doge like it flew to the moon he's like and you know what like what better watch to take my money to the moon than the Speedmaster? So he's like, I made like ninety thousand dollars on Doge. I like I cashed it. Out. I actually like that. I was like, I cashed out. And he's like, I went and bought a Moon Watch, and I was like, How old are you? <laughs> and he didn't answer me, but I I knew this kid was young, and I was like, This dude made ninety grand on Dogecoin, and then spent seven bought a Moon Watch, and he just like kept the rest of it. I'm just like. I'm in the wrong. Yeah. What am I doing? They're like, I'm in the wrong industry, <laughs> but it was the most epic thing. He's like, yeah, we're going to the moon, bro. So I bought the moon watch. And I was like, I feel you, bro. Uh, if he could have got a Snoopy, he could have got the doge and the speedy, you know, in one like, shot. That would have been pretty sick. That would have eaten a lot 90 more grand, than his budget. He 90 grand. He could, he could probably swing. He could have <laughs> done it. He could have done it, but that would have eaten a lot more of his budget. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But it was just, it was just such a funny interaction. He's like, yeah, bro. He's like, Doge to the moon. So I bought the moon watch, bro. And I was like, cool, man. You've been watching too. You've been cycling through too much Reddit. Yeah. I like it though. That's, that's I a mean, better connection than most people have for a reason to buy a watch. I'll give right? it to him. Right. I mean, at least he was honest about I'll it. I'll allow it. And at least he picked a good watch. Yeah. Right. Like not some. You do not a lot some, worse. Yeah. You could, you could. First nice watch. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot of, there's a lot of shitters out there. <laughs> Uh, so I guess appropriately, we can now head on to the ugly. We touched on the good. Okay. We touched on the bad. Moving to the ugly. And I guess this would be, I don't know how you describe it. The stuff you almost don't even want to see, but you wind up seeing it for one reason or another. I mean, running a, a humor-based account, people send me things of all varieties. <laughs> let's just call it all varieties. i will just label it all varieties but whether it's somebody wants me to make fun of something or somebody is like can you believe this exists trust yeah. me it's somewhere it's somewhere in my dms <laughs> so along these lines i'll throw you the accounts that like to post their watch with their significant others body parts oh yeah uh accounts that are I guess trying to take advantage of, I don't want to say take advantage of people, but just, I guess, peddling really strange things. Watch cleaning spray, for example. Yeah. What is up with the damn watch cleaning spray? <laughs> Soap like, was, it's just not I'm, good enough. Well, I mean, it, 
I can't imagine it's any different than what people spray on their sunglasses. Like, I mean, it's like, it's like your Oakley spritzer that you can get free refills on at sunglass hut. Like just, is it really that different? Like, I don't, is this a thing? The stupid like cellophane that people want to put over their clasps to like, keep That's them, another like, I just like, what is happening? This is that monetization I was talking about, like the most ridiculous things. And yet people buy it. People consume it. They want to have it. And so these guys are emboldened to make more cellophane cling wrap stickers <laughs> for your Submariner bezels. Like, come on, guys. It's a watch. And I guess all those things kind of go hand in hand is so you have strange products. And then if you're going to push a strange product, what do you do? You talk to an influencer, right? Somebody who at least thinks they have a ton of pull and can sway people. Yeah. Right. You have some people that are just clamoring for Insta fame. And and I, I guess that's what I guess I don't really have a problem with people trying to get big, but like, if I feel like they're doing it and just kind of using watches as a way to get there, as opposed to, and I don't try to gauge people's level of involvement, but when it seems like it's, it's just not even there and that it might not even be their watches. I, it rubs me a little bit the wrong way. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Yeah. You know, and, I, and like I've mentioned before, I don't like to deem people watch person, not watch person in out it. I understand why people do, but don't abuse my hobby. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's what it is. Don't abuse my hobby. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm just tired of seeing every other YouTube video as some guy teaching me how to make money in flipping launches. Like you're the problem, bro. Like you're the reason why I can't get a steel Submariner anymore because you're flipping it out the back door. Right. Like, this is the issue is like again we've created our own monsters we've allowed we, we've been a very inclusive hobby we've allowed outsiders in and we we're like yeah man the more people rock and steal sports watches the better and we're all going to meetups and we bring our <laughs> friends friends and they're like they come to meetups and like yeah now i gotta get that watch and so we've expanded the demographic of people who are interested in watches and alongside that you've brought the negative aspects of it. Like you said, the ugly stuff, right? Like all these crazy things that are being sold to us that are really irrelevant. And then the worst types of people, like you said, that are peddling stuff or trying to sell you a lifestyle or a subscription service to a watch collecting community. I'm like, what is happening? How did we get here? Like this, am I I taking crazy pills? Like I I almost feel like it it worked elsewhere. And so we're just going to try to copy and paste as much as we can and hope it sticks. Oh, for sure. That's 100% exactly what happened. And in that same vein, another thing that always has rubbed me the wrong way is, I guess, the copycat account. And I don't mean people doing the same stuff as other people. I mean, people trying to actually take someone's winning formula and just replicate it as if it's that easy. Yeah. Well, it's not easy. No, not at all. Mm-mm. But I mean, somebody, whether, I don't know, you're a photographer, whether you're a blogger, whatever. I feel like it's part hubris that people will just say, if they can do, I can do, right? Yeah. It, I can, I'm just as good as everybody else. And so they study up on them, they take notes, and they try to follow the exact playbook, like yeah. line by line. 
And it's just not like that. It's there's a level of disingenuousness that comes with that, that I think is pretty transparent, but maybe some newer people who don't have a reference to the original said person or blog or I don't know, work, whatever it might be. They don't have that original reference. So they think it's the new one. It's like when a new song gets released with a sample of an old song. Oh and, yeah. And the kids think that's the original. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, so, Oh, this artist made that sample track and they're really talented, but it's like, they're just co-opting it from a previous generation and sampling it for their song. Yeah. You're like, no, 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 no. That was a song a long time ago with a really good artist come, come here mom, young blood let's show you where, what this what this song is that yeah, time to about. break out the youtube no. <laughs> right right exactly but yeah i guess the copycats and then i guess the straight up thieves you have people and i think it's so strange and for some reason it happens a lot with the female accounts that i follow i guess because male large male population in the hobby they're thinking males are going to be attracted to female accounts so let's just copy them but they literally will take your picture yeah slap it on an account and name it either something close or something entirely different and it's yeah it's like borderline identity theft it's pretty well, I mean, strange it, it, it is identity theft because i mean you and you and i have all seen it how many accounts that will say you know repost with credit no oh, right god don't get me started on this i mean it's, but it's true like you take the time to to take a photo, to set up your backdrop, to put in your your light box, to do all these things. Because let's be honest, the guys who are really trend, guys and girls who are really trending in the watch world, that are brilliant photographers, they're the ones that have a bit pretty big following. Yeah, you know, like I can think of several people right off the top of my head that are just phenomenal photographers, whether they're professional or not. You know. Um, uh shout out to dagbert the guy who shoots for a blog to watch like all his photos insane like yeah. so so good he shoots incredible photos there's another guy that i follow casually um there's watch on my wrist on instagram like, oh yeah. that guy takes incredible photos and i know he does some stuff for for like you know brands and different things like that he he isn't he's like a freelance photographer um but the guy's super cool and cool, really dude. really nice yeah. and takes incredible photos there's another guy that I follow because he also has a Seamaster 300 like me. Uh, R. McCullough, and another Midwesterner dude, just kind of hobbyist photographer. Fantastic photos. So I know what these people do to set up these shots and make them impressive. And for somebody to just kind of like swoop in after all the editing is done, after all the time and effort to shoot these things. Setting up a shot takes... Yeah, I mean, for this to happen and then someone be like, cool screen grab <laughs> and just repost it with either credit or without credit it's like wow you just stole everything that i did i'll do you one better my favorite is the i acknowledge that this is a repost but i'm not gonna put that in the first few lines of text on the bottom so that you're never gonna see it unless you click read more and that's where yes. the credit will be for somebody way yes. down here after you click read more. Yeah. That's where your credit is going to be. What? I credited it. There should be a little camera icon at the very top. The first thing that you type, little camera icon, colon, person. And then whatever BS that you want to say. 
because, and that's honestly, if you've already received the permission to post, right? Like they could send like an approval, almost like a friend request approval. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like if I was going to, if I was going to repost, watch on my wrist photo, I would hope that I would slide into those DMs like, Hey man, I really like your thing. I will give credit, but is it okay if I repost your photo? Because let's be honest, you can't get a Getty image off the internet or an Alamia image off the internet without getting some type of credit or, or some type of permission because they're copyrighted photos. Why is whatever you post on Instagram any different, right? It's just because they're not copyrighted photos in most cases, right? They're not, usually these are amateur photographers that happen to take good photography photos and, you know, they're being co-opted. They're being adopted by some rando to pump up their following because let's be honest, it's to mislead people into thinking that they took those photos. Agreed. That's what it's about. And I got, I got included not that long ago on a thread, a message thread one day and I opened it and there was a bunch in here and I was like, what, what even is this? It was a bunch of, I guess you'd call them budding watch meme accounts. And they were all going back and forth about some person who was basically stealing everyone's content and reposting it, doing exactly what I just said. And they were like trying to figure out a way to get rid of this person. But at the end of the day, how can you? All you can do is report them. Yeah. You know, that blocked them, but there's no way to keep everybody out. Yeah. And, and, And the thing is, as soon as you do and their account gets shut down, Somebody else is going to make another account that's going to do exactly the same thing. And it's a self-perpetuating cycle, which is going to keep happening over and over and over and over again. So, yeah, I think that's probably the ugliest part of social media in this hobby. I like to think most of the people are doing it the right way. I like to think a lot of us use it for good and that a lot of us are having fun. Of course. And I think a lot of the people we've met along the way are better for it. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't want to sound like it's all doom and gloom because it certainly is not. No, not and at all. Some of the, some of the most amazing people in my own life, personal life, I've met through the watch community and they are truly wonderful people. And it's so great. And I'm so blessed that, that I could have met people like this in a world where I would have never under normal circumstances. So as much as it can be dark and ugly and scary and just like the worst sides of people, the industry can also be incredibly inclusive, welcoming, wonderful, and just amazing. If you find those right people. Okay. Don't get sucked into the horology hype house nonsense where you're going to get scammed or you're going to get lied to, you're going to get betrayed because that's, that's what happens. Like, Try to meet people, try to connect with them in a real way and, and see how that works out because that's where the beauty lies in this hobby is the good people. The rest of them, not so good people, are just the worst. Unfortunately, hard to differentiate at times. I know. I know. <laughs> it's difficult. It's difficult for everybody. Yeah. And I think, I guess that's just across the board for all the content you consume. And I guess that would be my message would be, be careful what, who you follow, what you take in. 
because it always seems kind of like more is better, but I would say it's not. I, I kind of like the less is more idea. And yeah. as a result, I've, I've pared back. Originally, I wanted to follow everybody that followed me. That was like my thing. And I was probably up in the 9,000s. And I was like, I can't do this. I was like, first of all, my feed is way convoluted. Second of mm -hmm. all, I'm getting way too much that I don't want. So I've really yeah. pared that back to, I guess, people that I want to keep up with or that I know personally. Yeah. Accounts that I feel like are doing great things or that I genuinely enjoy or that make my day better. Yeah. And then, you know, I keep up with some brands because I need, I need news. If I'm going to, if I'm going to be on top of the meme game, I need news. Yeah. You're, you're doing, you're doing the Marie Kondo of your Instagram organization. It's like, does this spark joy? Yes. Okay. You get to stay in my feed. Hey, if Marie not, boom. Gone. Marie Kondo is my watch collecting spirit animal, to be honest. <laughs> I feel the same way about my collection. Does this does spark this, joy? Does nope. This spark joy. Nope. Old. Goodbye. <laughs> Every everyone every collector should just live their life like Marie Gundo. This is like, hey, you know what? Let me go through my watch box. And if it's if it doesn't make me happy, it's time to move her on. And maybe it moves on to somebody else that will be happy with it. You know? And maybe it it's makes all place, about balance. It's all about place balance. For, for something that you really want. <laughs> you know, there it is. There it is. All right, my friend, is there anything else you want to tell the, the good folks at home with regards to today's topic? Anything else you want to shed light on or pass some last-minute knowledge and insight? I don't think so. I think we touched on most of it. But I, I think I would like to just go back to what you were talking about and say it's always easy to speak negatively about something because for some reason the human condition just allows us to to dump on things much easier than to lift them up. And I think that yeah. goes back to like grade school. Like, I don't know if you ever had any teachers that always allowed you to give feedback and then they kind of turned it around on you and they're like, why was it so much easier to, to crap all over your peers than to say something nice? Right. It's always easier to nitpick. And I think we're all guilty of that as far as watches go too, because, you know, there are people out there who complain that a, a an affordable watch has a, movement that's plus minus 30 seconds a day when realistically i think most of us are pretty happy to just be in the correct minute yeah right uh, yeah we talked about that last time yeah, it's still just... doing its job i i think there are just some things that are over scrutinized but i think we should also emphasize that at the end of the day we're all here for for the same reason and that this hobby is a lot of fun and i know it's i'm very thankful for it because it's provided me a lot a lot of opportunities personally and I guess from an exposure standpoint of experiences that I don't think I would ever get. And so I'll, I'll always have a, a soft spot of that part of the hobby in my heart. Yeah. But I think it's a great place. And I, I really do value all of the relationships I've built and all of the people who I interact with daily, even if I can't maybe keep up with all of you, or I forget to throw back a DM, just know you're part of what makes it fun for me. And I'm glad that I can return the favor at times. Dang, man. You're going to make me tear up. <laughs> You're going to make me tear up. No, I mean, just to piggyback off on that, and the last thing I'll say on today's episode is just like, you're right. I mean, this is a beautiful hobby, but it's only as beautiful as we make it. So do your hardest to surround yourself with amazing people that love this hobby as much as you are, as much as you do. And I've been very fortunate and blessed that that's been the case. I've been able to met, meet some incredible people and, and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And it's, 
it's so good finally that I've been able to really take something that was a weird kind of fringe passion of mine and meet other people who felt exactly the same way that I do about this weird fringe passion. And to those I've met in my personal life and, and in the world and in the industry, you guys are amazing people. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way to have, to have met you guys. You guys are amazing. And uh, I love you guys. You guys are the best. So to all my fellow watch fam out there, keep grinding, keep hanging out, keep sharing, keep creating content and keep pushing forward this hobby for the better because we all benefit from it when we do. I don't think there's a better way to end it than that. Then let's take us out, man. Take us out. All right. All you good folks at home, as always, it's been real. Until next time, Rich Cheese Radio, out. Out.